stories of innovation and success from the vibrant communities of rural Nova Scotia. This is Ignited. Welcome to Ignited, the podcast. I'm Wade Cleveland. I work for a rural innovation hub called Ignite, and I'm here to tell you some great small town and rural success stories. Today, we're going to talk marketing, both as a business and for your business, with Sean Williams of the Halifax company, Dashboard Marketing. Sean is the marketer in residence for Ignite Atlantic and does a lot of work with startups and entrepreneurs, as well as many established companies. He runs Dashboard Marketing with his wife, Sarah, both bringing decades in marketing to the table. Now, they call themselves a boutique marketing and communication shop, and we'll find out what that means during the conversation. And maybe we can get some tips on how to tackle marketing for your company or organization. Sean, thanks a lot for talking to us today. My pleasure. You know, the fact that we're the marketer in residence for Ignite, this is kind of nice to actually come down, physically be here. It's nice to see the space and meet the people and not just do things virtually. I want to talk a little bit about you and the business that you built, and then we'll talk about marketing. Okay. So you're actually a, a Torontonian. I am from Trana. Ah, yes, but but I've I've been told I'm 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 okay because I'm married in Newfoundland. <laughs> well, that works out then. So yeah. it worked. It did actually work out because I, I, yeah, originally born and raised Toronto, like in the city, just over 20 years ago because we celebrated 20 years. Well, actually more than that. Uh, we met through a friend of mine from university. But it was quite funny. We met, we connected, and um, she was there for work. She'd planned to move there for a number of years, and but planned to move back east. And I'd never been east. Uh, the farthest I've been is Quebec City. And so I'm like, all right, let's go and check it out. Because she's like, well, if you're into this, you know, you got to be kind of into that because we, I'm moving back east. So I was fortunate because at that point I was working for Nikon, the uh, imaging company. In right. Their national marketing role. So I was able to travel out here to visit with some of the retailers and, and you know, got a sense of, of Halifax and Nova Scotia and all that. So it was, it was great. It really kind of opened my eyes up to this part of the world. And then, yeah, back in 2004... Uh, we said, all right, screw it. We're, we're doing it. We both had really good gigs. I was with Nikon. Uh, Sarah, my life partner and business partner, uh, was with a really good company uh, that did market research and strategic planning. And we just said, screw it, we're, we're, we're moving. And um, we had some contacts and conversations here, but we landed without a job, both of us. And uh, so we lucked out in a, m- a month later after moving here, Sarah s- uh, started working for Bell Alliant. And uh, a couple weeks after that, I started working for Bristol. Uh, which was uh, quite a big regional advertising agency, mm-hmm. which fit for me because I'd spent a number of years at Leo Burnett and Dentsu in Toronto, and um, and I also had client side experience, so we just carried on with that. But uh, things went different ways, and and 15 years ago we launched uh, launched our business. Um, I guess I kind of kickstarted it 15 years ago, and then Sarah came in about five years ago. What was the motivation? Why did you finally reach a point where you said, okay, let's do this ourselves? I got canned. Really? Yes, it was uh, interesting. I, I'd never been let go from a from a job before, um, and and I have nothing but good things to say about Bristol because as a come from away and somebody that didn't know the environment, it was a great company to work for. I met some awesome people, worked on some great clients. Uh, the NSLC was one that was really interesting because I led the whole rebrand and redesign of the stores and the whole in store experience. But they were kind of going through changes and, and unfortunately kind of went the, the, the wrong way in those changes. Um, so I was the first of many rounds of layoffs before they went away. But funny enough, my client at uh, the NSLC, uh, Rick Perkins, who's now a, a member of um, the federal government. Sure is. Um, he's like, uh, well, you, you know our business, you know our brand. You know, I'd, I'd worked at Molson many years ago, so I knew that sector. 
And uh, he said, uh, I need help in a variety of other ways. So set yourself up and, and I'll work with you. And I'm like, okay. So I did kind of part-time, you know, testing the water, seeing what else is on. But I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. This is cool. Uh, picked up another piece of business and then uh, aligned with another, uh, an old Bristol person and, and picked up another piece of business and it just kind of carried on. And, and I, I realized that there was a real need for uh, a different type of offering versus an agency or PR firm or that kind of structured offering. It was more about just an extra set of hands, extra set of eyes. Because me as a, when I was a client, often I didn't want to go to my agency because I, that's all I needed. I just needed somebody else to look at this or just a little help in a short-term period. When I was on the agency side, clients would ask me, oh, can you just kind of help me here? And I'm like, well, if I do, I have to bill you an hour here and an hour there. And it just wasn't collaborative. It wasn't supportive. It wasn't that kind of just come on in and be that trusted advisor and sit at the table with me and help, you, help me out. So that's my mindset when I actually hunker down and said, okay, this is a business I want to start and really flourish with and, and, and grow. Um, so the model was that whole mindset of collaboration crowdsourcing needed uh, services. Um, it was quite a, a different model 15 years ago. People just didn't get it. Now, everybody gets it, right? The gig economy. Everybody knows what the gig economy is. They know about all these great resources and freelancers and independents and, and online platforms like Fiverr that you can just go and tap into the, the worldwide web and, 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 and network of people. But 15 years ago, people just were like, okay, so you don't have staff. You don't have an office, uh, so how do you get stuff done? Like, and I said, oh, no worries. Like, I'm handling strategy, project management, but I got all these people behind me that are vetted and and they're are trusted and, and do great work and they're experts in their in their discipline. So now, as I said, people get it. They okay. know they know the model. They understand the model, and it wasn't a new model, but it, I guess it was new newish back then. And it was uh, very new to a bunch of people that I talked to, but uh, a number of other clients that they were like, I would prefer to do business with people like you. I don't want to play pay that extra markup on things or or that you know see that line item under um, in the budget that says expenses or miscellaneous or any of that kind of stuff. It's like just pay what you do for me, and and I, and, and then we're good. You called it a boutique. Yeah. So it's yeah. that approach. Yeah, because, you know, part of it, and it's interesting with, with the word boutique because we've done some work in the hospitality space. And when you look at a boutique, it is very niche. It's, uh, there's unique offerings. It's kind of customized rooms. Not every room is the same. That's very much this, the model that we have. And, and, and the other thing is we, we branded ourselves Dashboard because that flexibility, the, the ability to kind of, you know, customize and, and, and offer a unique piece to whatever the client has or, or is requiring allows us to kind of go a, a, a bit deeper and a bit, you know, just offering a kind of a, a customized solution where they can and, and a unique offering, which boutique ho hotels do offer that, right? So, yeah, we would definitely call ourselves a boutique shop, and that's the other uniqueness is we're not an agency, we're not a firm, we're a shop. Like, we get shit done. That is the biggest thing because, uh, again, back to the name dashboard is, okay, I, I want clarity and insight and information, but I also want this information to action, and lead me down a pathway that's going to get stuff done. So, okay, you're giving me all this great insight, but what do I do with this insight? Well, we're going to help you get to that point of where you're actioning, you're converting, you're, you know, you're retaining, you're doing whatever with your, with your business. We were a virtual business 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the recent situation with the pandemic and everybody going online and, and working virtually, that was not an issue for us. We were already a virtual business. We already had our network of people. 
we were doing work with clients all across the country in the states overseas already so it wasn't new and it wasn't a big change for us where did you link up with ignite and become marketer in residence i yeah. guess is the way it was worded yeah I, I, i'm actually i'm trying to think back it was through a, a friend that's also kind of in the entrepreneur environment he, when we were talking, we're kind of, you know, friends, but also he's, um, you know, he kind of in the same business. And, and um, Darren Burke is the gentleman's name. When we were talking about the business, he mentioned, he actually was the guy, now that I think back, he's like, oh, you got to meet Doug Jones. I'm like, I, I don't know who this Doug Jones guy is. It's like, okay, sure. Because we, at that point, we were very connected to other startup hubs in the region. Our side gig was to support entrepreneurship in however we can, because back to the startup starting of my business again it wasn't part of the game plan i didn't know where to go to for support uh, i didn't know who to ask for help so because of that i'm like i want to give that help to any entrepreneurs out there that 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 need help you know we were getting involved with a few other organizations i was telling darren about this and he said well you got to meet uh, doug so I, he connected me with doug and then we just started chatting and and similar to a lot of conversations I have in this space is it doesn't matter if you're a rural entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur at Halifax, you're an entrepreneur out of London, England. It doesn't matter. Marketing and 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 the idea of brand and 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 just everything that I talk to the companies about is either foreign or just never thought of at the right time. I always feel like it's brought into the mix or it's um, asked for just farther down the pathway that that then they really should be bringing it into the mix. Because it's, you know, you see them do their pitch competitions and then the question goes, okay, well, what are you going to use the money for? They'll always say, oh, marketing. My question will be, okay, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Because their definition of quote unquote marketing is probably a lot different than what I actually need or what I would say they possibly need. So um, it was great. Talking to Doug, it was, uh, it, you know, just talked to him about kind of that, that idea, what we're trying to do for, for entrepreneurs and, 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 you know, startups, early stage, even established businesses. It, do it doesn't matter the, the level. It's, it's like you need to grow. You need to, you know, sustain a certain you know, level of business. You need to grow your business, all that. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, marketing is a huge part of that. Also for those startups, like when you start up your business, brand is a big component that a lot of companies don't even think of. They think of, okay, we got a product that solves a problem. Okay, let's go deeper into that product. And, you know, what does that mean? Who is it for? You know, what's that roadmap? Who are the people you're going to bring to the table to work on this product with you? Like all of that is part of your brand. And there's not a lot of startups that kind of think about it at that early stage. So it was, um, it seemed to resonate with Doug that, you know what? Yeah, we need help. And, and the, the, the companies that Ignite uh, works with and supports, they all need marketing help in some way or another. It's, it's a great valued partnership from our end. So, If you're an entrepreneur, you may want to consider becoming an Ignite resident. Residency at Ignite will give you the resources, mentorship, and space you need to grow your startup or idea. You'll become part of an incredible support network, a community that's dedicated to seeing you succeed. But don't just take my word for it. Book a tour of Ignite and see what we have to offer you. Go to IgniteAtlantic.com. It's quite a difference, I would think, uh, between working with someone who's a startup and working with NSLC, for example. It's a whole different ball of wax. Uh, yes and no. Uh, scale for sure. And, and, you know, startups, they don't have customers. NSLC has a lot of customers. But the fundamentals of, of what we work from um, and, and look at for clients is the same. And it doesn't matter if you're a startup or, or a 150-year-old company that's got millions of customers, whatever. We, are, we have three kind of components of, of anything we do for our clients. 
we look at audience, we look at category, and we look at brand. Those are just the fundamentals for any kind of marketing strategy, any go-to-market plan, anything that we're doing for our clients. You need to look at those three uh, because each is very important and each has a very big impact across all areas of your business, not just marketing, product development, HR, all those different elements. So, you know, that's kind of the model we'll take and it, and it can be applied to the startup level all the way to, you know, well-established company. And, and uh, I'd say a lot of times those established companies need it way more than the startups do. Really? Because they're comfortable. They're just settled in their old ways and, and they're not willing to change. In this day and age, you know, change is, is consistent. You know, with just every year things being reevaluated in many ways, be it your brand, be it the channels you're engaging, be it your customer groups, be it your product, be it the people you're trying to employ or keep employed, you know, it's, it's challenging. Um, where the startups, you know, it is a startup, right? So it's early days, it's, it's let's start fresh and, and, and the mindset is, okay, let's pivot and adjust and modify whatever we need to do. And that could be, again, product, could be marketing, could be brand, could be audience, it could be a variety of things, so. It's pretty existential, really, when you think about it, because branding is who you are. It, it can be everything from ethics to we're the good guys to who you're pointing towards. Yep. It's tough stuff. That's not the easiest oh, yeah. stuff to get through. Yeah, and, and I'd say uh, we love uh, at Dashboard, we love talking brand and doing that brand work because, to your exact point, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And, you know, back to the startups, you, they, they often go through that whole lean canvas exercise, you know, mapping, you know, partners out and customers and channels. That is all brand because every key component on that canvas is linked to who you are. What do you want to be? What are you, what's your purpose for being in this situation? Who are you doing this for? It's all tied into that. And, and it, I always call it, it's the squishy side because it is, and, and it's quite funny talking to certain startups and, and or, or well-established businesses that are engineers, computer scientists, like, you know, they, they're just like, okay, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, okay, you know, brand, you know, it's just, okay, black, white. It's like, no, 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 this is a lot of gray, but it has huge impact on the success of a business because if you're not thinking about it, others in your marketplace are, and it has such a key element to your customer. Like companies just, they never realize how much of an impact it has in the, in the customers. And it doesn't matter if they're consumer-based, business-to-business, or direct-to-consumer. Well, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it brand is still very, very important. And it should always be looked at. On a fundamental level. When I started in the industry, um, you know, one of my earliest uh, clients, and it was a great client to work with, was, was Kraft. And, and you talk about, you know, Kraft, Procter & Gamble, like they are all about brand. And it was very much, they had brand managers. It was like, you know, you, you can't deviate from the brand. It was, it was a very good school of thought to, to look at and, and manage that point. But the thing is, your brand isn't owned by just you, the, the brand or the company. It's owned by the customer. It's only owned by the environment. So you have to respect the fact that, you know, your brand loyalists aren't the people working for the company. They, they, they definitely are. There are hardcore diehards that are working at Apple or Harley-Davidson that are there. I work here because I love the brand. But it's also your customers. They're the ones that are getting, like, the Apple logo tattooed on their shoulder. Okay, that's pretty that's – a, that's a huge commitment, and, and so you, that's a pretty heavy um, uh, commitment for any brand loyalist, right, or advocate. And there's a great book out there. It was written by, I think, the um, creative director or head of – I think it was Sachi and Sachi – called Love Marks. If you're into branding, it's, it's worth reading this book because uh, it's all about this 
ultimate, like you can't even explain why you're so committed to these brands. And, and the brands you think of in this, like Manchester United Football Club, which I'm an Arsenal fan, so I can't stand Man U. But it's that level, like that's that would be one. Apple would be another, Harley Davidson. Like these just iconic brands that people just are so connected to and they just can't explain why. And it's just such an interesting conversation because back to your point, it's very, you know, out there, fluffy, you know, squishy kind of, okay, I can't, I can't, it can't hold it and I can't eat it. It's just fun to really dig into that because it really opens the eyes of, of people that don't get it. Once they get it, you see, you see the light go off and they're like, oh, okay, now I understand how it's all interconnected and the impact and power it has. I'm, I'm old school. I, I, I come from 40 years of radio. I worked in radio. So there was a day back in the old days uh, <laughs> when you would have, you know, you had a product and you advertised. You advertised on the radio or you advertised on the television or you advertised in the newspaper and you were done. Those days are long over. Uh, it's a different world. Uh, it, it is, but I find it interesting that it, things are coming back full circle. Uh, I read an article, I think it's a Harvard Business Review, a uh, great article about kind of looking to 2023 with the, the challenges and dynamics of marketing and engaging customers. And, and they talked about how there's now so much mistrust towards a lot of these digital platforms. You look at what Meta's done. You look at what Twitter's now going through, like all of these interesting situations have forced customers and consumers to question, okay, and, and brands for sure, really are, are, are these the right channels and, and am I going to engage you know, with a customer or with a brand through this channel? So they're actually talking about how it, kind of some of the more traditional media is coming back. So it's, it, I'm curious to see as we go into this year, what does happen with marketing strategies and channels of engagement? Because I think it's just, there's so much going on right now around, around the digital platforms. And like we were talking before we started on the podcast, like Pinterest, it was interesting to hear from them a couple of weeks ago at this conference um, that they are so focused on, on removing all that bullshit and just truly offering them the, the most positive experience you can in this social platform. And you don't hear that from many other social platforms, right? Like they're always they're going the the other way. It, it's challenging. It's overwhelming. But I'm 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 kind of excited to see. Okay, how are we going to reconfigure things as we go into next year? What do you tell a company? Let's say Brand X. Brand X has their brand. They're okay, but they're looking to re-strategize where they're going to put their money in. What would you tell them? Where are they? Where Where do you put your money? Well, I, I go right back to the three areas I just talked about. Okay, you know, who are you? What's your message? And let's evaluate that. What's the environment you're in? And then ultimately, who's your audience? Okay, goes back in that instance very much to audience. So, you know, if you've got the other two components kind of figured out, and you know what your you know your competition's doing and what the environment is, where are your customers? And that's always the question. And that you know, I'll get that all the time. Say, well, my my mother tells me we our, our company should be in social media. Well, most are in social media, but now figuring out what platforms. We will always ask the question, well, what are your, where are your audiences? Like, where, where are the customers you want or currently do business with? Where are they? And so have you talked to your customers and asked them those questions and, and said, where would you like us to be? Where should we be? And there's so many companies out there that just haven't asked that question. So back to the brand X, 
you know, the question I say to them, have you talked to your customers? Have you asked them those questions? And, and a lot of companies haven't. That's, that blows my mind, is how many companies have not actually talked to their current customers. Big predictions, I think, on, on our end is that a lot of companies, and we're talking to a lot of companies, and we put a lot of this in place for our, the strategy we develop, is retention. Because it's so much more cost-effective to engage current customers than to try and acquire brand new ones out there that have not heard about you. What are you doing with your current customers right now? And how can you get more business from them? Because, back to your question, like it, it's you're shooting you know, left, right, and center, and you just don't know where to go. Well, if you have a group of people you're doing business with, talk to them, ask them what more they want to do. Do you want, they want to buy again? Can we offer value? You know, are you talking to your customers? Do you, are you going to that, that nth degree to really understand who they are, where they are, what they want to consume, w how you fit into their life, and, and really go immersive and, and really respect them and, and, and ask them those questions. Very interesting. Yeah. No, it's, it's again, it, it's fun for us because we're always trying to open up those um, areas of opportunities through our discovery and that, that three kind of state or three area uh, process that we go through. And it really does, if, if you have a, a strategic way of doing it and you, you map out your strategy first, you can then figure out what those tactical components come into play and, and when they should happen, how and what messaging and how creative you need to be and all of that. But the companies that just don't start off with a strategy, it, they're going to fail. And that's our approach is strategy first. Like if you're not willing to do this strategy first, you know, we're happy to introduce you to other people we might know or maybe recommend somebody else. But it, it's those those companies, doesn't matter if you're startup all the way to well-established, um, if you don't map out your marketing strategy, you're going to fail. It's just going to be a waste of money, waste of time, and yeah, you're going to be throwing darts at the wall and hoping something gets, hits the bullseye. How long is that process? I guess it's as long as it takes. Yeah, and, and it's a never-ending process because you can't ever stop. And, and that's, it was interesting. I was talking to my business partner, who's my, also my wife on the way up here, and, and we were just talking about right now where we're finding that a lot of companies have kind of pulled back, you know, with everything in the world that we're dealing with right now. Budgets are tight, and, and marketing always gets cut first, and, and that's the worst thing to do because if you stop marketing, you, you stop that growth, and to start up again takes double, triple, you know, 10 times the amount of money. So to, to continue marketing right now is the best thing to do, and so you never stop. So yes, you have to spend, you know, say three to four months developing a strategy and, and depending on what's involved in that strategy, be it the customer discovery, review of the category, development of the brand strategy, all of those messaging and, and tactical plan and all that. But then once you have that strategy, then you just keep going back and, and execute on what, what you're doing. So here's phase one of the things you do. Okay, bang, bang, bang. We've done that over the next this quarter. Phase two, okay, next quarter. Like it, it just keeps rolling it out and then you re revisit it the next year. So you, you really should never, ever stop because it just it's going to hurt you in so many ways if, to, to, first of all, stop. Second of all, try to start up again. Before we wrap things up completely, I wanted to talk about some of the things that you're involved in because you, for example, do some work with cruise companies uh, and have just kind of wrapped up some of that. I was quite interested to see that you were involved with kind of putting together a cruise plan, if you will. Yeah, one of, you know what? One of my favorite projects, uh, and this was client number three, was Cruise Atlantic Canada. So we, um, along with a, a business partner, uh, got the business through the Atlantic Canada Cruise Association. And they were looking to rebrand and, and ultimately brand the region. 
Atlantic Canada. So we went through a, quite an exhaustive exercise and did a discovery in, in a variety of ways with uh, people that have been on the cruises, with the different ports and the offerings. And it, it, was, it was a lot of fun because, in part, it was just fun to kind of package up a brand for the region. So we packaged up this Cruise Atlantic Canada brand, and um, and then the the team their their team went down to Miami, you know the the pinnacle of cruise, presented to all of uh, the cruise lines this new brand that that ultimately is is a brand that they sell, because in the past one of the big f- bits of feedback we got was they didn't know how to sell Atlantic Canada, so they went down presented this whole Cruise Atlantic Canada brand, and people were supposedly standing up clapping saying. Thank you. Now we actually know what to sell, and, and it was a unique package, unique in, in the sense of other places to go and do cruising. So it was one of my favorite projects because it was also uh, a challenge to get, uh, imagine this, four provinces, uh, multiple ports, uh, other entities that were in, in, from the federal government side of things. Like There were so many different players at the table, but everybody came together, and it was you know, mind-blowing in that sense of how many, how everybody came together under this brand platform that we developed. And so, yeah, we, it, it went for a while, and then I, I know they just recently kind of refreshed it. We didn't have a part to play in that, but I, I know the, the team that did, and I think they did a great job. Uh, we've worked in a, a variety of other areas in, in that sense of, be it cruise, we've worked in the, the golf sector as well, we've done um, hiking and trails, uh, so a bit of the more niche travel and tourism and hospitality areas. And, and um, it's one of the many sectors we kind of work in, be it that we do a lot of work in higher education. We do a lot of work in the tech space, uh, software as a service side of things, uh, a lot in the, in the startup small business er- area as well. So it's um, the fun thing on our end is always taking the learning from one project in one sector and bringing it into another sector and, and really applying just that great unique insight into something that's people would be go well, how, how did you take that and bring it into there it's like well why wouldn't you if it made sense for the strategy let's apply this kind of different thinking to this environment and and a lot of times it works well for them because it is different thinking in that environment so it really is and it brings a whole new perspective and that's what i find interesting i, I loved listening to you talk about that because to me sometimes you know when people say okay we're going to talk marketing their mind goes to it could be Budweiser, it could be uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, it could be, but it, they go to those big brands, but they don't think about how Nova Scotia in and of itself or rural areas in and of itself, all of that will benefit from what you have. Yeah, and, and I think I'd say the biggest thing on that point is the, the work we do is scalable. And, and any of those things, be it, you know, the Coca-Cola, my God, like you think of how much they, they spend in their marketing. And, and they have their challenges. I remember reading an article with Fast Company years ago about their brand management challenges and how, how disconnected their brand was worldwide. Different colored reds, the, the font was different in certain logos. Like you think of just the challenge they would have on that front. So they have their challenges. But, you know, what we do, be it, you know, the marketing strategy or doing brand or any of that stuff, it's all scalable. So that the, the process we to go through and, and, and the thinking and everything around it can be very much related to a not-for-profit or a startup or, or a well-established business or whatever that might be. And it doesn't matter if you're urban or rural or whatever. Again, back to earlier conversation, it goes back to your customers. Because the cool thing I find, again, not being from Nova Scotia, but working now with a lot of Nova Scotia companies and others in the region, we've got to punch above our weight. And, and a lot of these companies are doing that, which is awesome because they're they're – clients and, and their customers are worldwide. You know, we talk about Jules at Ocean Pride down the way. I worked with him. Like, 
he's selling our awesome product that he's that he's fishing off the coast here to China, to other Asian markets. Like, wow. So it's I think it's really cool that Nova Scotians again be it ur- urban or rural it doesn't like we're not the customers. Nova Scotia's not the customer for a lot of these businesses. Canada's may not be the customer. So you got to go big. And so, yeah, you, you've got to take the learnings from the Cokes, the Budweiser's, because you're playing at that level and you should be proud to do it because you're doing it like this province is doing some really cool things. And when I go back to Toronto and I talk to my buddies and tell them what I'm, I'm involved with, they're like, you're, do, you're working with a company that does what? And, and, and they're where? And what? Like, they, they just, it, it, they don't get it, right? Because in, in part, they're kind of Toronto, you know, blinders <laughs> on. But I think that's w- definitely one of the things I've always um, said to a lot of our, our clients in this part of the world is, like, you need to be proud of what you're doing, and you need to be comfortable taking those awesome bits of learning and, 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 and trying to achieve that, that pinnacle and that big point up there because your competition is also hitting, hitting big. So if you're going to compete at that level, you got to step up and really own it and, and be as big as you can be. Sean, thank you so much for this yeah, conversation. Yeah, this great. Yeah, it was I fun. Carry on conversation. Maybe this is part one of, of many parts uh, of the podcast. So. Will you come back again? Definitely, for sure. We'll talk okay. soon then. Great. Thank you. To find out more about Dashboard Marketing and what they do, visit their website, dashboardmarketing.ca. And to find out more about rural innovation and what Ignite does, check out igniteatlantic.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you subscribed to Ignited, shared us with your friends, and gave us a good review. And we'd love to hear from you. Any comments or suggestions about the podcast or who you'd like to hear are most welcome. Our website is igniteatlantic.com, and my email is wade at igniteatlantic.com. I'm Wade Cleveland. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk again soon.